You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. Come caroling among the leaves so green. Here we come a wandering so fair to be seen. Love and joy come to you, and to you glad Christmas too. And God bless you and send you a happy new year. And God send you a happy new year. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's live broadcast of TPC. In the Christmas spirit, we are this Saturday evening, December the 9th. We are live, James Edwards and Keith Alexander. We've got an interesting first hour for you. when we bring back to the program not just one but two fantastic international guests they'll be making a joint appearance here uh, shortly a little later on in the show uh, keith and i are going to spend some time together one-on-one with you we're going to be discussing tucker carlson's recent interview with marjorie taylor green and boy was that eye-opening why christian nationalism was trending on twitter this week and uh, return our attention to the middle east and how that current conflict is uh, going to impact the forthcoming election year and the Iowa caucus is like a month away so presidential season is uh, here upon us as soon as the calendar flips to 2024 but before we get to any of that and all of that we want to welcome back our good friend Jonas Nilsson the uh, popular an acclaimed Swedish filmmaker who joins us tonight not from freedom uh, Sweden or from South Africa uh, but from Estonia Estonia Jonas how are you tonight in Estonia very late over there Yes, I'm doing doing great. And it was a nice Freudian slip there. Not in freedom. Uh, it's more freedom than Sweden <laughs> and South Africa, but uh, not really right uh, where we want it either. And uh, no, no, it's awesome. It's uh, this uh, classical uh, winter snow landscape. Uh, uh, we have had snow for the last month, and it's uh, freezing cold. So it's uh, very nostalgic for for a northerner as, uh, as myself. I think it would have to be. I have not had the opportunity to travel to Estonia, but it seems as though that capital city, that medieval capital that they have there, is just everything. Uh, that's the most European place. I, uh, you know, those three in Estonia, even among, you know, foremost among those three, I think, is the most European capital of Europe today. And you, you actually moved over there uh, from Sweden here just very recently within the last couple of months. What can you tell us about your, uh, that decision? Uh, it's uh, very close uh, culturally to, to Sweden, uh, Estonia, like back in the days uh, when you had this technological shift, you also redrawn the geographical maps and uh, when it was easier to move over water, Estonia was uh, part of uh, Sweden, then uh, it later became uh, part of uh, the Polish Empire and later the Russians and uh, it had, had this entire struggle. but. Uh, so it's very clo- culturally close to, to my homeland, and uh, my uh, fiance is uh, has an Estonian citizenship. And uh, the major uh, deal breaker for us, uh, we have uh, two daughters, and they're go- closing up to school age. And in Sweden, uh, we are uh, forced to put our schools uh, 
uh, kids into the school system uh, and have them physically there. And the state of the school in Sweden is uh, horrible. I, I can't describe it uh, other than uh, full-on child abuse, and I will not put my kids uh, through that. And uh, so we decided that we will homeschool, and uh, we oriented it Fantastic. To, uh, to one of those countries that actually uh, grants us that freedom. And it's also ridiculous that it is a grant. It, it's uh, they lend uh, that freedom to us, uh, something that is so so certain uh, within ourselves that uh, our children are ours to to raise. But uh, society have uh, other ideas that uh, the responsibility lies within the broader society to uh, make sure that uh, our children became uh, good citizens through, through their lenses. And uh, <laughs> where I stand, uh, that's a horrible thing. Jonas, this is Keith. Let me just ask you this. Is Estonia what Sweden used to be back in the good old days? I would, I, Keith, that's a fantastic question. And, Jonas, I was going to ask you something similar. How would you, on the uh, northern, northwesternmost part of Europe there, up there in the hinterlands, how would you compare Estonia today to Sweden today? I think uh, they are, in some sense, they are where Sweden were in the 80s like uh, normatives, uh, how we perceive uh, some cultural values and things like that. And also demographics. Uh, uh, we, we need to almost travel back to uh, the late uh, Swedish 80s to actually uh, have, have this kind of uh, demographic and lack of this uh, major waves of immigrations. But uh, when it comes to politics, uh, they are not that far behind. And being a small country in the shadow of uh, Russia, uh, they uh, look very, not nostalgic back to the, <laughs> when it belonged to Sweden, but they look up to the Scandinavian countries in particular, but uh, also to the European Union, and they want to be good members of the European Union, mm. uh, even though they have a big opposition party uh, to those uh, liberal tendencies. Uh, it's still like if, if nothing is uh, being done, the passive route forward is to what Sweden is today. Are and, they frightened uh, of Russia? Uh, you, you have a very small Russian minority here, which uh, in Tallinn is almost like 50 percent. And uh, which makes it uh, a little bit uh, twofold. Uh, the, it makes I'm a little bit afraid because that uh, gives uh, Russia uh, a very good, uh, uh, they have a very big base here uh, due to that uh, demographic. A good excuse to take them over. Yeah, uh, yes, uh, besides the, the other more like strategical reasons of uh, establishing through to the Baltic Seas. Uh, but uh, yeah, people are... I, I don't really feel it as a foreigner in this country. I, well, I don't I feel think... that people are on their toes. But the, the, my my fiance says that uh, who is a little bit more into the country says that they are uh, a little bit uh, more edgy against Russia, at least. What then? I, I, I think so Sweden. too. We had the opportunity to talk with and meet and interview on this program Ruben Caleb uh, at the Amran conference a few months ago, and he was a former member of the Estonian Parliament. Very young guy, very sharp. You know, certainly a nationalist, certainly on our side on so many issues. But he has a an axe to grind with Russia as a nationalist, and so I thought that and, was and interesting. What we learned too about Europe is that people identify with their national identity and not just as white people as you do in yes. America. Yes, yes, much Def more so. Definitely so. Well, I think you described it well, Jonas. I mean, there is just the, an 
awe-inspiring natural beauty to Estonia. If people haven't ever at least even looked at pictures, you know, certainly do that. But uh, it, it, uh, th those nations that were behind the Iron Curtain were inoculated. They were protected from the poisons of, of Western liberalism. And it's like the southern United States. It's good to be backward. Well, but at the same time, as Jonas said, they may be 30 or 40 years stunted, but they're trying to catch up, and that is not a good thing. <laughs> or at least some of them are trying to catch up, and some of them, of course, uh, know that they're in a better position. Well, anyway, very interesting. Past 2 a.m. as we broadcast live tonight. It's a quarter past 2 a.m., and Jonas stayed up. said it reminded him of being in college again, staying up and pulling one of these all-nighters <laughs> to be on here with us. But the reason we brought Jonas back to the show tonight, I did want to check in and just see what the situation was in Estonia. I know it's cold there tonight. But uh, above and beyond that, that was uh, a, a little interesting treatment. But we brought Jonas back on the program tonight to talk about a book that he has put together, Arania, Building the Nation. Yes, we're going to shift our focus to South Africa, where Jonas has had such a great impact and focus on himself. And Simon Roche will be joining us here in just a few minutes as well. Joint interview appearance. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. Why does the left lie constantly? Because they get spiritual power from lying. The lies come from Satan, the father of lies, John 8:44. Here's how the political lying process works. Satan provides the beast with a lie. Then, the more they use the lie, the more they reproduce the lie. The more spiritual power they get. Now look, the media is a lie multiplier. And this multiplication gives more evil spiritual power to the beast. That power protects the cells of the beast from prosecution. Why isn't Hillary in prison? She is protected. We must restore our national relationship with God. Truth is sacred in the kingdom. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Isaiah 9, 6. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. What would Christmas be like in Estonia? That's what I want to know. Unimaginably beautiful, I can probably tell you. Let us uh, tell you now a little bit more about our featured guest, 
this hour, Jonas Nielsen. Uh, in addition to being a good friend of ours, I had the chance to meet Jonas at a conference in Chattanooga two or three years ago. Maybe it was four or five. They all blurred together. That was a few years ago anyway, and we just instantly hit it off. He's a great guy, staying in touch. He's a political scientist, author, and documentary filmmaker. Uh, he holds a bachelor's degree in political science, and he left before uh, earning his master's to found Palestra Media in 2018. Now, Jonas is best known for producing the documentary South Africa, A Reversed Apartheid in uh, 2018, which highlights the precarious situation of the white minority in South Africa. He has since followed up that uh, feature with other projects uh, such as uh, the Boer Project, which uh, includes interviews and uh, other documentaries. Uh, he has since produced the documentary the series Why is Sweden Multicultural and The Powers You Never Chose. As an author, Jonas has also written, among other things, When Migration Becomes Conflict, Political Group Dynamics which focuses on uh, the conflicts that arise in multiculturalism from a demographic, in a multicultural society from a demographic perspective. So that's a little bit about his background. And we will, uh, well, my goodness, I just turned off the entire studio computer. But thankfully not the one we're using, so we'll fire that one back up. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jonas, you have written the, the book, well, if you can even call it that, it's much more than that, Arania Building a Nation. Excuse me, I just got corrected. Arania. It's a short A, Arania, Building a Nation. This is really something. Just give me a quick answer on what this book is, and then I'm going to read a little bit from the preface, if you don't mind. Uh, the short answer would be that uh, it's an inspiration for uh, our future. It is. Well, that is a short answer, but it is, a, it is in fact, a, a, a perfect one. This is from the preface now. For I read. Us, and by us, you mean white people, right? Yes. Arania but, uh, building a nation. No, oh, sorry, John. continue, yeah. Well, it, just from the preface, and I'll turn it back over to you. You are, in fact, the author. But uh, welcome to a book, it reads, that challenges conventional notions of what a book can be. This work is a hybrid, and folks, it truly is, as I hold it in my hand here in the studio, it's a visual journey in the form of a photo book. And I'm talking about the sharpest, clearest, most high-definition uh, f photos you could ever imagine that show the people and the landscape uh, of, of South Africa and life in Arania. Uh, it is an in-depth exploration of political dynamics and a cultural commentary. It might be best described as an uh, ethnological analysis with immediate contemporary relevance. Despite operating under far more challenging conditions than we do in Sweden, Jonas writes, the people of Arania have managed to build a degree of autonomy and cohesion from which we can draw concrete lessons. In a direct conversation I had with the chairman of the Arania movement, he told me, quote, it's either about focusing on saving something or losing everything, unquote. Uh, this insight compels us to reflect on our own priorities and strategies. Jonas, with that, I toss it back to you. Yes, uh, and that uh, quote uh, is so powerful, especially for lots of people uh, that have uh, been working for uh, a better Sweden or a better Germany or a better where, wherever uh, we are and fighting this kind of like uh, globalist uh, influences with this uh, multicultural world. And all those manpowers that we have put uh, into this uh, struggle, uh, I've, I've been into the nationalist movement since uh, 99. And uh, 
the only thing I can see is that we have worn out a lot of people where we have not been able to bear the, uh, all those hours with uh, nothing to show for. And uh, I think Oranja is a really good example of uh, where you can actually uh, show off some improvement, uh, not just for yourself, your family and the direct community of the people who live there, because the people who are living there are so much better off than the people who live in Pretoria, Cape Town or Johannesburg or anywhere else uh, in South Africa. And with that foothold, they are being able to create something magnificent and uh, they take this aim for uh, uh, self-determination and nations of their own. But regardless of that, even if you don't aim that much, uh, just that thought process of uh, community building that uh, instead of focusing so much on the big questions, uh, like the, the major national politics or even go even further uh, about talking about the big international relations and the big globalist the themes and we just get soaked up into that work. So we forgot about what can we really change with our own two hands and with, uh, together with our neighbors and with our family that uh, will actually increase the level of uh, safety for our direct uh, descendants and being able to live off a better Sweden for our children than the Sweden that we got ourselves. I, I want to... Uh get the information on how people can learn more about the book or, in fact, purchase it before we bring Simon on uh, in just a few minutes. But just to go through the table of contents, you have chapters on building a nation, rolling up our sleeves, demography is destiny, financial pre uh, freedom, the power of narrative, uh, a chapter on the Cape Dutch, economic strength and sovereignty. So you're certainly going to learn the who, what, where, when, and why about Arania from reading this book. But the photos, Jonas, uh, Jonas, this is the this is the definitive photo journal of South Af of Arania uh, and in South Africa, perhaps itself. Uh, it really captures just the essence and the spirit of these people and their surroundings. It, it, the photos alone are, are worth the purchase, and it is. I, I just, folks, it's just hard for me. Uh, with my meager abilities to paint a verbal picture of what I'm looking at as I flip through this book right now. It is just, what made you decide to include that? Or was that the was that the purpose all along? Uh, that was the purpose all along. And uh, I think um, when I'm always thinking about the next project, I'm thinking what, uh, what I bring to the table. And uh, um, being a filmmaker, I'm uh, also a photographer in some sense because I'm building up these scenes through composition, uh, even though it's a, like completely two different profession, but they overlap in this in this way. And the challenge with photography is that you need to build up this entire scene that you can do in a documentary where you work with 24 frames a second. And here you only have one frame to to not just capture a moment, but to capture an emotion because that what the most uh, visuals are when you when you look at the movie or look at the picture you're absorbing the emotions from from that moment and uh, that is a big challenge and that's uh, like the the one sentence uh, description of the book that it is an inspiration for for white people that are stuck in this uh, demographic challenge is way too nicely to put it uh, uh, in, in the situation we're in it's uh, to be an inspirational 
product it needs to evoke emotions and uh, I think uh, just the text work uh, itself uh, uh, need that uh, help to get this uh, like full on uh, emotional journey to understand what uh, the Urania community is uh, is all about and the lessons that uh, we can uh, take from that community and apply to our own circumstances. Well, South Africa generally is a cautionary tale to the white nations of the world about what comes from succumbing to the relentless pressure of liberalism and particularly liberalism from without other nations and other movements trying to get you to change your society you're always assured like the south africans were that things are going to turn out all right and they've turned out anything but all right and Iranians attempt to come back to what south africa used to be i guess would you what what does that sum it up or what how what would you add to that no no definitely orania is uh, europe and south africa used to be europe uh, it's Amen. not uh, anymore, but Orania uh, uh, are. Yeah, Europe is wherever our people are, whether it's South Af Africa, whether it's well, Australia. Wherever they rule. New maybe. Zealand. Well, well I get, yeah. yeah, normally we're, we're, that's we're one of the South same. Africa, but, but, right, you know, we're not there alone, unfortunately. We're, not, <laughs> we're in Memphis, too, but uh, <laughs> there's uh, some similarities. Jonas, give us the information on where people can find this book. Yeah. Uh, the book is on uh, Amazon, or if you are in uh, uh, the US, uh, lulu.com also uh, supply the book. Or you can get it uh, through my uh, page, southafricainsight.substack.com. We will remind everybody of that a couple of times before the uh, hour concludes. Orania, Building a Nation at Amazon.com, a photo journal, and all the information you would want to know about Orania and its people. Orania, Building a Nation by Jonas Nilsson. We'll be right back. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Skip Kelly. The conflict between Israel and Hamas continues to escalate in the Gaza Strip, prompting the U.S. to emphasize the importance of prioritizing civilian protection by Israel. In an effort to address humanitarian concerns, a major crossing from Israel to Gaza is slated to reopen, facilitating the transportation of essential supplies such as water, food, and medicine via trucks. The current death toll from the war has surpassed 18,000, with 140 individuals still held hostage in Gaza. The perpetrator of the shooting incident at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, was identified as a former professor from North Carolina. Former students and one of his graduate assistants revealed that 67-year-old Anthony Polito had peculiar working methods. Polito fatally shot three people and injured a fourth at UNLV on Wednesday. It was noted that he had applied for a teaching position at the university in 2020, but was not hired. The motive for the shooting remains unclear, as do the details about Polito's life leading up to the tragic accident. The pilot flying a medical helicopter on its way to pick up a patient in northwest Iowa was hit in the face by what he thinks was a duck that smashed through the windshield. We're canceling the mission. Will you make other arrangements for us? We've hit a bird. The bird had put the helicopter out of service for repairs. The Wings Air Rescue pilot says he was a little bit dazed, but he was not hurt. Tipping has gone over the top this holiday season. 
With Christmas festivities underway, shoppers are encountering a new trend this year. An increasing number of businesses are employing credit card machines that prompt customers to tip for what often amounts to a straightforward transaction. That tipping app should not be a pressure app when you are paying over the counter because these are hourly workers. Diane Gottsman from the Protocol School of Texas advises against feeling obligated to tip at a retail location, even if the service is excellent as it's considered part of the job. However, she emphasizes that tipping is appropriate at restaurants where servers heavily rely on tips as a significant portion of their salary. I'm John Schaefer. This is USA News. Omaha Steaks is rewriting the book on burgers with an all-new handmade texture for the juiciest home-style burgers you've ever tasted. Their pure ground burgers are made from single cuts of real aged Omaha Steaks. These are truly steaks on a bun. Filet mignon, ribeye, New York strip, sirloin, and even brisket burgers. Now is the time to experience the exclusive burger perfection flight for just $79.99. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout to get an extra $20 off your order plus free shipping. You'll get four of each pure ground burger so you can sample all the steak on a bun greatness. These burgers are crafted for a juicier, more tender experience, making your mouth water with every single bite. Don't wait. Go to OmahaSteaks.com. Use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $20 off the burger perfection flight and discover your new burger obsession. Minimum order may be required. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen to hear bells in the snow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you're betting on who's going to get a white Christmas this year, I think Jonas has uh, higher uh, higher odds than Simon or even us here in the uh, in the Confederacy. It's uh, it's hit or miss. I uh, normally miss <laughs> at least one good snow a year is about all we can depend on. That's right. But we but and, and I do remember a white Christmas year probably when I was a teenager maybe in my early to mid 20s and we do get snow but uh only you know but if it ever gets below freezing on a cloudy day they shut down the entire city for like a week so <laughs> there's all of that going on. But anyway, documentary filmmaker really talented artist uh, with whether it be uh, with uh, the lens of a of a camera camera or a movie making camera uh, jonas nielsen is just a real talent and i'm glad that he's on our side now also joining us is simon roach uh the spokesman uh, international spokesman for the sightlanders and emergency plan initiative uh, officially founded in 2006 to prepare protestant christian south african minority for a coming violent revolution. Now, not one of their own making, but this is a, a civil defense and, and peaceful organization. Not aggressive and legal in their preparation, constituted lawfully under the Geneva Convention with a particular reference to Protocols 1 and 2 uh, of the Protocols Additional for the protection of non-combatant civilian Afrikaners, women, children, and the elderly, and the white people, in other words, non-able-bodied in the event of a civil war 
in uh, Mandela's Multicultural Wonderland. Simon, it is great to have you on tonight in this joint appearance with Jonas Nielsen. How are you tonight, my friend? Good to talk to you again. Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you very much for having Saitlanders back on your show, James. Hello, Keith. Hello. How are you, sir? Well, thanks. And you? Doing great, too. But um, I tell you what, I don't think there's any doubt now that multicultural ex- uh, experiment <laughs> in South Africa has not turned out well. Well, it's not turning out well here either. And we're going to get uh, Jonas and... Uh, Simon in conversation in just a moment. But before we do, I would just remind everybody uh, that, of course, Simon was on with us most recently. Jonas was on with us back in our March Around the World series. Uh, But Simon was on most recently with us just last month at a live broadcast from the League of the South event that uh, he and I had the honor of uh, uh, addressing. And uh, he has been touring America. Simon, catch us up on what we've missed and what you've seen since we last spoke with you the first weekend in November. Well, since then, I drove up to uh, Madison, Wisconsin, uh, after Tennessee. Uh, 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 in Tennessee, I had the great privilege of being invited to visit T-Rex Arms after I last spoke to you. And um, I addressed the uh, Southern National Congress after the League of the South event. I went up to uh, Madison, Wisconsin, and spent a few days with uh, Professor Jim Fetzer. Uh, we held three meetings, three fantastic dinners over three days. Uh, absolutely splendid. I've learned a lot from him. He's a great mind. And from there, I drove along uh, I-80 and I-90 to northeastern Washington State, where I held a, a terrific meeting with a, a very um, a man who, who may have uh, uh, some Tremendous, tremendous input into your own crises as it develops further and further. I, I can't give his identity. Uh, and then I met, I had the great privilege of meeting James Wesley Rawls, the man who wrote the Patriots books and who has been an inspiration across the world to preppers and survivalists, particularly um, Christians who anticipate uh, that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And um, after that meeting, I, I drove back here to, to Pennsylvania. So I've done 8,815 miles from the time that I left Pennsylvania um, on, uh, I think it was the 4th of October, until I got back three days ago. 8,815 miles. I got to see a lot of the country. Uh, the Dakotas were, well, they were flat, but. Uh, in their own way, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the drive across the Dakotas. Montana, magnificent. Idaho, possibly my favorite. Northeast Washington State. You really have been everywhere. Glorious. Yeah. That is a lot yeah, of traveling in a two-month period. And, of course, you've seen more of America than you have, James. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, um, yeah, it's something here because it is such a vast expanse of a continent that uh, the diversity isn't quite as concentrated as it is in South Africa. You can still run away from it to some extent. Of course, uh, we're suffering mightily in some of the urban uh, areas and in some states more than others. Uh, Before we bring uh, Jonas back uh, into this conversation, because I really wanted, basically what I wanted to do and what we will do here in just a minute is Keith and I are just going to kind of step aside and and let the two of you who who share such a viewpoint on South Africa. Exactly. Thank you, Keith. Uh, 
to, to, to converse with one another. But, uh, Simon, you said when we were having uh, supper together in Tennessee a few weeks ago that if you had uh, an unlimited war chest, you would stay here through next year's presidential election. Now, what are you seeing here from the perspective of a South African? What are you seeing taking place here in America? And what makes it so interesting? Well, I've repeated that. The first time I said it was to you. And I've since repeated it to umpteen dozen times to people. It's not something that is feasible, but there surely won't be a more interesting place in the world and possibly hasn't been for many, many years than there will be in the USA over the, the forthcoming 12 months. There's so much happening. Uh, I'll give you one pretty random example uh, among you know dozens that you could mention. And that is, uh, I listened to an economist, a very dry guy uh, of no political stripe, I'm pretty sure of that, give an assessment of U.S. debt. And as we all know, it's crept up to uh, $33 odd trillion, and Janet Yellen has promised that it will be almost 35 by the 31st of March. And this guy said, the thing that nobody is talking about is that the year 2024 is the kind of black swan year for debt in the USA by absolute coincidence. Well, it may have been planned, but apparently by coincidence, $7 trillion of the 35 will mature next year. And so he said, there is no magic to be made. It means that by the end of next year, if Janet Yellen doesn't incur one more dollar's debt after the 31st of March, the U.S. debt will be $42 trillion because they're going to have to raise money to pay off the $7 trillion that matures because there's a massive budget deficit, as we all know, of $1.7 trillion. Now, that's happening just at the time that, as everybody knows by now, in the last two bond auctions, the, the Chinese and Japanese and major institutions all across the world, investment bank, pension funds, uh, and so on, didn't buy U.S. debt. It was, you know, people were absolutely blown away by this unprecedented development. They simply refused to do so. Um, so there's going to be a lot happening. No two ways about it. Donald Trump, yeah. the elections, the, the, the war, going to war potentially, is yeah. going to be the most fantastic 12 months. You, you've got so much political stress. You've got so much tension. Two sides diametrically opposed to the other. No national cohesion. You've got the, the economic uh, problems with the inflation. $20 to get a Big Mac. You've got the, uh, the potential for world wars to break out. You've got Trump going to prison, most likely. Humpty Dumpty is going to fall. <laughs> and South Africa is a cautionary tale. So let's now, we're going to skip the final break of this hour because I don't want to waste the time of our Two esteemed guests. How about having a South African and a Sweden, uh, a Swedish, uh, a Swede, a Swede. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. A person, a man from Sweden, a Swede and a South African Swede now in Estonia. From Estonia, uh, Jonas uh, Nielsen is still with us up very late. And of course, Jonas, uh, you have worked with Simon. Remind everybody uh, how that came about. No, uh, actually, I met uh, with uh, with the Sidelanders uh, first time in uh, 2008. Uh, so I've been familiar with the Sidelanders project for for a very very long time, and I think they do a very good uh, job in uh, informing the public of uh, 
the necessary means of uh, action to prepare himself for a very horrible future that we can see within the horizon. And uh, being uh, been living in South Africa over pretty long periods of time over the years, uh, I noticed more and more discrepancy from, uh, from the Swedish public uh, in the major uh, of uh, what's actually happening in South Africa because uh, back uh, during this time, 2008, 2010, uh, the Swedish public opinion of South Africa were that this was still this uh, successful rainbow nation. And of course, uh, the Swedish public were uh, emotional commitment, committed uh, to this uh, narrative and to the story because we played a crucial role, not maybe for the uh, power shift within South Africa, but we played a crucial role for the international recognition of the ANC being labeled as a terrorist party of the most most of the uh, Western world. And uh, what did we have here? Yeah, the Swedish prime minister were the first one to acknowledge ANC as a non-terrorist organization back in the 60s and 70s and uh, uh, were the first country to uh, uh, invite the uh, ANC representative uh, over after this uh, power shift to give them this uh, big international recognition which would uh, uh, make it easier for them to diminish those uh, crimes of uh, that they committed during during the apartheid years yes and I would uh, I'm gonna toss a jump ball up and then I would just like for the remainder of the hour for you two esteemed gentlemen to just converse with one another about about these issues but first I, I would like to point again people to the incredibly well done documentary it's not just that it's 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 conveying the truth it's conveying the truth in a way uh, that sells the message because packaging and presentation is so important. Let's, I mean, you can have all of the facts, but if you if it's uh, you know on a typewriter and you know you're, you're doing flyers, it's not the same as a professional, well done, high definition movie. South Africa reversed apartheid was just an incredible breakthrough for Jonas back in 2018, and uh, I will eat my hat. I will be thoroughly embarrassed if I am wrong about this, but it's been a while since I've seen it. But Simon, you appeared in that, did you not? I never watch or listen to or read anything that I might be in. It's just one of those, you know, strange childish <laughs> things. So I never saw the final cut. Uh, Jonas would be better qualified to to say what was included. I, I, I just, it's a it's a religious habit. I never, ever, ever watch anything I see, to do I see. May I'm pretty sure I'm right, but I'll be thoroughly embarrassed if I'm not. Lauren Southern and Simon were both in that, correct, Jonas? Uh, yes, uh, Lauren Southern were uh, down there and did uh, her documentary at the same time. And uh, I did an uh, uh, interview with her, but uh, that was independently published uh, outside from the actual uh, documentary. So okay. she, she's not in the documentary, but we, we were down there at the same time doing the same kind of work, which was uh, qu quite the accident. Uh, we, we didn't know of each other and that we were down there doing this work. So it was really high, showing something about that it was like this perfect storm of actually uh, highlight the situation in South Africa there and uh, all uh, our documentaries, uh, mine, Lauren Sudden and uh, the British uh, lady, uh, Kate, uh, 
uh, working for Rebel Media. They also did a, did a documentary, and all those three uh, were released the same years. And uh, I think uh, all three of those were were a major breakthrough and uh, definitely helped sh- uh, share a new. Because people, it's like what you say: people don't listen to reason or evidence or facts; they listen to a, to a good story. Yes, and uh, we have an obligation. Yeah, and we have an obligation to to provide a better story than what the establishment do, and uh, it's uh, quite easy to do because a story needs to be like true for the humans to really uh, adhere but to that that story. And uh, it does, we... but it also has to be presented in a way that it looks as though it's the real deal, which of course our message is, but it cannot be a substandard product. It cannot be anything less. And in fact, it needs to be more than what they're getting out of the major studios. And Jonas, you've had an ability to do that. So before this hour ends, I'm going to get everybody to plug their contact information again for, for Sightlanders. Of course, Simon, you were just on with us for an hour last month. Be sure to revisit that in our broadcast archives, folks. We're talking about the book here uh, that uh, Jonas has recently wrapped, this photojournalistic book, Arania, Building a Nation. Uh, I'm going to read this and toss it over to you for the uh, remainder, gentlemen, and uh, you just take it in any which direction you want. Once again, from this new book uh, that uh, our friend Jonas Nielsen has made available, we find ourselves in the midst of a transformative demographic shift, not just in Sweden, but across the Western world. It's time. It's a time when we face challenges that demand both understanding and creative solutions. Here is where this book comes into play. By turning our gaze towards South Africa, we offer an opportunity to explore worst-case scenarios, thereby crystallizing potential solutions for our own context, our own nations. So, again, a Swedish filmmaker joining us tonight from Estonia, a South African currently in America. Gentlemen, where does it all intersect? Simon, let's start with you talking about South Africa. Uh, Direct your comments towards Jonas and uh, let's get this conversation for the last 10 minutes going. What do we need to learn? What are the takeaways? And where is the off-ramp? What are the solutions? Go. Well, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear Jonas's take. I think that, uh, you know, the, the title of this tour is uh, The Crisis of Christendom because we see it as a sort of holistic onslaught on everything that is Western, everything that is conservative, everything that is Caucasian, um, it's uh, it, it is ultimately an onslaught on the West. You know, the greatest harm done by the pandemic was in the West. The greatest harm done by the clot shots, as proved by Dr. Lee Merritt, is on Caucasians because of our unique ACE2 receptor pathways. Um, the greatest economic harm being done in the world now is certainly on the West. And so the LGBTQ, I mean, that's a Western-focused thing. It's not being discussed all that heavily in Peru and Kazakhstan, um, we we really and you know just as a matter of interest to you, I've been doing a lot of research recently in uh, certain circles, um, <clears throat> in certain environments, and and our most implacable foe, our foe of two thousand years, is saying exactly the same <laughs> thing. They're saying we are getting it right to destroy Adam once and for all time. And you can find this not just on obscure, in obscure locations, but in, on YouTube. I mean, it's just unbelievable how they're crowing about it so haughtily. Uh, that, that's my 10 cents worth. I'm dead keen. Jonas, it's lovely to talk to you again, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm likewise. Hope to see you next time around in South Africa. 
Oh, please. I, I live very, very near to, to Orania. So if you're in that region, uh, it would be wonderful to see you. I'd love to host you at my home and have a braai and, and what have you and bring out a whole lot of State Lunders people to, to host you with me. Uh, but as I say, I'd like to hear your opinion. Uh, I, I think I think uh, you, sp you speak the truth with uh, with the Christian faith, and that's something uh, that uh, was a bit uh, not shocking, but uh, a little bit uh, strange for me for when I travelled uh, down to South Africa for the first time, because that's something that has really gone lost in Sweden as well as a big uh, secular state uh, these days. People might call themselves Christians, but uh, they wouldn't even know what a, what a Bible is really. And uh, I also saw that uh, people had this uh, uh, strength within themselves that I believe comes come from the uh, from the good old uh, religion that uh, we were missing missing back home. And I think the biggest lessons that we can as Swedes can take from South Africa, if I'm going to tie up to, to what I said earlier about uh, our uh, so-called help to you guys uh, back in the in the 60s is that then we were in a position of uh, uh, not uh, knowing uh, the consequences or the actual real politics uh, within South Africa, what uh, uh, constituted South Africa as a multi-tribal state and the measures that were taking place and why those measures were in place and what would happen if we removed those measures. And now we are in a state in Sweden where uh, uh, we can't deny that anymore because we are actually living that. Uh, Sweden is becoming this uh, multi-tribal state itself with uh, a tremendous uh, problem with uh, parallel uh, uh, structures where big uh, immigrant groups ties together based on ethnicity, based on religion and create uh, what could be almost labeled as a state within the state. And uh, I think the biggest challenge here, and uh, I think this is a hard pillow uh, to swallow for a lot of people, and that is that Sweden might never be what Sweden once were, at least not in our lifetime. And I think we need to start uh, to think about this struggle as intergenerational. And I think that has been a big problem during this last 50, 60 years that we all focus on try to find this uh, golden opportunity to have this uh, decisive uh, metaphorical battle that will change everything for the better. And maybe that uh, decisive battle will never happen and things just goes on. And uh, how will we work with our situation in Sweden if things just goes on? And I think South Africa and even Rhodesia transmission to Zimbabwe, uh, that there's so much knowledge uh, that is compressed uh, in such a short period of time, which it is there because it's such an extreme situation. So we can look at that and we can stretch it out and we will see where we will be if we do nothing. And uh, then I would want to end off by quoting uh, just uh, Stridham, the chairman of the Orania movement, that it's better for us to focus our energy to try to save something than to rather lose uh, everything. But before you answer, Simon, and I know Keith has one final answer, I want both of you gentlemen, we have to make sure that we give the contact information with only minutes remaining. We really could have gone three hours with this one. But Jonas, you mentioned your new book, this uh, piece of photojournalism packed with uh, impactful content as well with the written word, Arania. Building a Nation can be found 
on Amazon.com, and I can testify that it's true because I'm on Amazon.com right now. I typed in Arania Building a Nation, and it's the first return. So there's that. Uh, Jonas, where can, very quickly, a quick answer, where can people find your documentary, uh, South Africa Reversed Apartheid? Uh, people really need was, to see this. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it was uh, taken down on YouTube, but it's been uploaded by, I think, uh, several other channels on YouTube. So you can search on the title on YouTube. And, of course, their algorithm will make you scroll down a little bit. And then it's also on the video platform uh, Odyssey. All right. And uh, so there's that on those uh, third party or I don't want to say second tier and <laughs> the truth loving uh, video sharing platforms. You can still find it. Of course, Simon's organization is Sightlanders. That's spelled S-U-I-D-L-A-N-D-E-R-S dot org. S-U-I-D-L-A-N-D-E-R-S dot org uh, to learn more about his organization for which he serves as such a capable spokesman and champion. Keith, you got a question. <clears throat> yeah, I have been doing some research for this show, and I was looking into South Africa's situation. South Africa and Memphis have something in common. <laughs> Our problem is black people. How big of a problem are black people in Sweden, Joden? Are, uh, are they a big part? I would say that, uh, and I think that's actually a good thing that it's black people that are the problem because then it's so obvious between the lines of uh, our people and their people. Uh, so I think uh, in this regard, Sweden is in a more of like a challenging uh, state of surviving over time because uh, that uh, area between these two groups is so dimmed out. It's like uh, uh, in the Swedish 70s, if you were from uh, southern Europe, you were considered to be like uh, we, we have a saying that is uh, like a blackhead. Uh, of course, it sounds like someone from Africa, and uh, that uh, that saying has like uh, changed from referring to uh, southern Europeans to uh, uh, Middle Easterns or even uh, Africans. So we, we are uh, by not having that situation that you have, we are almost like erasing out those uh, strict line where our group begins and their group, uh, our group ends and their group begins. Uh, which right. can be quite uh, quite uh, dangerous uh, over a long period of time. Check out South Africa, a reverse apartheid on the video sharing sites, Arania Building a Nation on Amazon.com. Simon, my friend, final word to you, the South African himself. My last word is to say may the God of the Christ, the God of Western Europe, bless Jonas for the work that he has done for our folk. He is truly, truly, he's, he's made very, very great sacrifices and placed himself at great risk for our people. And I want to say thank you on behalf of our people. And may our God bless you, Jonas. Thank you, Simon. God bless you. God bless you all. And to our listening audience, you know, we've been called. And as Tiny Tim said, God bless us, everyone. Amen. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, what an honor it is to be able to bring these men together. We've been called the nexus of a lot of things. Uh, but to be able to connect men like this on a program such as this, it is all made possible, ladies and gentlemen, by the listeners. And uh, we want it to continue. We want it to continue longer. <laughs> we have, uh, as Robert Frost once wrote, Promises to keep and miles to go before we sleep. Jonas Nielsen, Simon Roach, we'll be right back with the second hour. Stay tuned, everybody. Thank you, gentlemen.